Hey friends, welcome to the Love Intently podcast, where each week I bring you relationship experts, inspiring couples, and first-class relationship thought leaders from around the world. I'm on a mission to explore what exactly makes love last and to empower a generation to have strong relationships. I'm your host, Sophie Kwok, the chief love enthusiast who believes that relationships are the most important part of our lives. And if you're looking to build a stronger relationship or to take a proactive approach towards love, loveintently.com hosts an array of articles, podcasts, resources, and love tips to help you build and keep strong relationships. I am so glad you're here. Let's get started. Hey, Love Intently Tribe. I am so excited for today's interview because it is with Joanna and Nolan Waterfall, a couple that I am so grateful to call friends and mentors in this entrepreneurial journey. Joanna is the founder of the Yellow Conference, a gathering for creative, entrepreneurial-minded women to be equipped, inspired, and connected for the greater good. And let me just say that Yellow did that for me for the last few years. And without Yellow, I wouldn't have the tribe of women that I have in my life, and I would not be where I am, truthfully. And Nolan is a licensed insurance broker that allows employers with less than 500 employees access to benefits and technology, usually reserved for really big companies. And they do this by bringing together like-minded companies to form coverage coalitions, which allow them to have lower premiums. He's super passionate about what he does and about bringing lower cost healthcare to smaller companies. He's in the middle of a rebrand, but I'll keep you posted with his company. What I love most about them is how they have supported each other through the years of this entrepreneurial journey. It's a beautiful thing because if you get to know them, you see how much Nolan puts himself into yellow and literally puts his blood, sweat, and tears into yellow by building sets and doing whatever is needed. And Joanna is the same way for his company. And it's really awesome to watch this couple pursue almost completely different dreams, but support each other and be able to make it work. If you ever get to know them or meet them and just watching them interact for five minutes, you'll see the love that they share and definitely leave inspired. They are far from perfect, but they just have such pure and kind hearts towards each other that you cannot help but be captivated by it. And that's the kind of love that I really hope to empower and inspire through love intently and that it is possible. It is real. It does exist but it takes work and we have to be intentional. So today's episode is just them sharing their journey, their story, their advice. And I really love this conversation. I hope you do too. Hi, Joanna and Nolan. Thanks so much for being here. I'm so excited to have you guys. Hello, Sophie. We're so excited excited to be here. Thanks for having us. Of course. Uh, Before we get started, I'd love both of you guys to share a little bit about yourselves and what you guys do. Yeah. Do you want to go first? Sure. Um, My name is Nolan Waterfall. I currently run an insurance agency, uh, employee benefits agency. So we help employers with their health insurance and we focus on uh, social enterprises and nonprofits in particular. 
really anyone who has you know a double bottom line or a mission behind what they do beyond just widgets and services. So um, yeah, I've been doing this for about six years now. And my name is Joanna, and I run an organization for entrepreneurial-minded women who want to use their gifts, their skills, and their talents to make a difference and make an impact for good in the world. Wonderful. Okay, before we dive into how you guys got where you are, I'd love to know how you guys met and when each of you knew that you guys kind of found the person you wanted to spend the rest of your life with. Yeah, well, it depends. We... We have a few versions of this story. There's like the short one and then the really long one that we could talk about for, I feel like, an hour. So mm-hmm. we'll go with like the short one. Medium being short. That we're not, don't want to have your listeners staying here for years. Um, <laughs> but essentially, we met at um, the church that I grew up at um, in Rio Grande, California, which is like San Luis Obispo area. Um, Nolan moved down from Seattle uh, to live in San Luis Obispo when he was 19. And he started working as a leader at the youth group that I was going to when I was in high school. So he was technically my youth group leader (laughs) when I was like 17. (laughs) And so that's technically how we met. But at that point, like I had a boyfriend, he had a girlfriend, like we never really talked at all. I didn't talk to the girls in the youth group because I was barely older than them. So I just <laughs> avoided the any female like they're the plague. Like I'm like, I'm not trying to make this weird. I'm just going to hang with the guys. So And we all thought he was older. Like I did not think he was just two years older than me. I thought he was like way older. So yeah. But yeah, that's how we met. Um, and then we both were just going to the same church for a long time. Um, I went away to college and then Nolan stayed at that church and continued to help out with the youth group and got to know my little brother and sister really well because they were both um, in the youth group. And so I would come home from college on like winter breaks or summer breaks and he would be like hanging out with my group of friends and like hanging out with my brother and my sister and kind of our whole home group of friends. So I kind of got to know him that way and originally had thought from afar that he was probably this like full of himself douchebag guy because I knew that he was good looking and he worked at Abercrombie and Fitch and I was like, oh, that guy's just gotta be like full of himself. We're not supposed to do that on this podcast. <laughs> I'll forgive you. It's on the wall. Sorry. <laughs> trying to cover that up, but. <laughs> but. When I got to, like, when I would come home and we'd, like, have lunch, like, we, I remember one time we sat next to each other um, at, like, just we all went out to lunch after church and we ended up sitting next to each other and I remember we had this really amazing conversation and that's when I was like, oh, wow, like, he's not at all what I thought he was like. He's very, like, kind and loving and has a really deep soul and thinks about life and all all sorts of things, so. I realize things. Yeah, I realize (laughs) What about for you, Nolan? When were you like, oh, Joanna? (laughs) Well, let's see. I mean, I noticed her like I could see that she was beautiful and everything from the get go. But she had a boyfriend. Like she said, I had a girlfriend and my girlfriend didn't last as long as her boyfriend. So she continued to be not available. So it's kind of like you can notice something, but there's only so much you can do with that, you know, and I'm not, I wasn't trying to go in there and drive a wedge between her boyfriend or anything, but over time I 
found out, oh, they broke up. And she was just on my radar. Like I was, um, I actually got to know her family really well. So her dad, music pastor at the church, she has two younger siblings. We all got to know each other really well because as Joanna graduated and moved on, her brother and sister went through the high school group as well. And her younger brother, Johnny, and I became pretty close and just became like good friends really over time. So I kind of like, I like to tell people I could take credit for being more strategic in this. Like I was getting in good with the family, but it just kind of happened like by accident and they were all just amazing. And it, it was just kind of dumb luck to some extent. Um, but having said that, there are moments that really impressed me about like how Joanna carried herself, how she spoke in front of like crowds. There was a moment where her and her family, they're leaving the church, they're moving on. And each of the, each member of the family, they took a turn and, and spoke. And I was like, wow, the way that she speaks, the way that she carries herself, her confidence and her intellect, that is just easy to see. That's, that's it. You know, like she's amazing. There's no guarantee. Like I'm not a big, like I have a soulmate kind of a person. I'm more like, Hey, I just noticed this really amazing person. And like early on, I'm thinking, well, what, is there something there? Like that she's, she's the kind of woman that I want to be with someday. So. So when was your first date and where'd you go? Well, um, technically speaking, our first date was at Hume Lake. If you're familiar with that, Hume Lake Bible Camp. So Joanna was working there for the summer, and our youth group, we went up there for a week. So our paths crossed for that week. She's up there all summer. We go up there with our youth group, and I'm like, oh, wow, there's Joanna. Notice her. Like As the bus rolls up, she was there to greet mainly her brother and sister who were, who were there and some other people that she knew. But I was just like, immediately, it's like she's like radiating. Like she's just so excited and happy and just glowing. And I'm like, there's Joanna again. Like, wow, she's, she's awesome. So throughout that week, our friend actually, who was the youth pastor at the church, his name is Ben Youngkin. He ultimately, he ended up marrying us later but he totally like played the connector like he got us lined up for like this dinner going really not very well but he was doing all the work there and then ultimately we went on our first date at what is it called the snack shack yeah the snack shack (laughs) super romantic i love that okay so <laughs> when in your relationship did you first discuss starting your own businesses and this idea of entrepreneurship? Yeah. Hmm. Well, for me, um, when we first got married, I was 23, Nolan was 25. So we were, we were young. I didn't feel young at the time, but looking back, I'm like, man, we were so young. We've been married August 6th. We'll be married seven years. Congrats. Um, thanks. Thank um, so when, um, we first got married. My I had just left my job at an agency that I was working at uh, it, as a graphic designer in Newport Beach, and then um, had moved to LA, moved in with him, and was looking for a new job, essentially, in graphic design. So I ended up landing this part-time job 
at a studio in Echo Park that was just so in line with the kind of work that I wanted to do. Because the agency that I worked at prior, we were doing a lot of things that I just was like, I never want to work at an agency like this again. Like we were doing real estate brochures and like financial, like, I don't even know what they're called. Like just these big, like corporate kind of jobs. Like catalogs. Um, like Yeah, catalogs and all did, sorts like, of things. Farm equipment catalogs. Yeah, like, all, all sorts, sorts of, things. of things. And she killed it. <laughs> well, She's got it. Tractors, <laughs> yeah. Telling so, people about Abercrombie, I'm telling them about the tractors. <laughs> <laughs> so then I got hired at this part as a part-time designer at the studio that was doing work that I really loved because um, I, I was really excited about it, but they didn't have any full-time jobs. So I was only able to work part-time. So um, we talked about it really then because I was like, okay, I really want this job. It's only part-time. What if I just bumped up my freelance work to make up for the extra income that I wouldn't be getting from like a full-time job? So I feel like that was kind of our original like slow like yeah. movement into entrepreneurship because that's kind of when I was like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to build my freelance business while I have this part-time job and I'm going to really lean into it. And then eventually I was able to build it up enough to where I could do that full time. And it was kind of, it was a pretty seamless transition because we had low overhead. It wasn't like, it was like life was pretty simple Yeah, and you were just, I mean, she's really good and good with people and good with marketing. So it just kind of took off faster than I think we even thought it would. And the woman that I worked for at the studio, she even, um, she actually went on to start another company, actually a jewelry company called Vrain Oro. She's done amazing with it. But she kind of took a step away from graphic design and gave me a lot of her clients as well. So it was kind of a good like starting point for me to go full time into freelance. And so for me, that was really like I've been doing freelance really since the beginning of our marriage. Um, not fully full time until a little bit in, but yeah. So that's kind of for me. And then Nolan's more recent, but I think me coming from a like do it yourself entrepreneurial background and always kind of having loved, like, I think when you are a designer, you just always, are doing freelance stuff. Like I would do freelance in college. I did, I did photography, I shot weddings. So I had always kind of had this mindset of like getting your own work and doing your own thing. Um, whereas Nolan comes from a little bit different of a background and he, yeah. So I think it was a bigger conversation for him with, with you. Yeah. It took a long time. Like she was like, Hey, start your own thing, do your own thing. And I was working at an agency, an insurance agency for, four and a half years. And I would say for a solid two years within that, Joanna was like, start your own thing, do your own thing, step out, do it. And I'm like, paycheck, consistency. I can't, can't do it. And eventually she like wore me down in a good way. And that's when I went out and, and started my own agency, which was kind of freaky. Like I was literally a a point like losing hair and had like a rash, like, like hives, like stress, like was exuding from my body. <laughs> yeah, that was stressful. <laughs> so it's not all easy, you know, and that's not uncommon. Actually. I talked to 
you know, probably a lot of people listening, like the stress reaches a point that you don't expect. Mm. But having said that, we made it through that. And that was a um, little over a year ago. So with both of us doing this now, it's been more recent than, you know, this is a newer, newer thing for, for both of us to be running our own businesses now. Right. In that stressful season, Nolan, what things were helpful, uh, in, in the season of like, you're just getting off the ground. It's really stressful. You don't know if it's going to fly or not. What things were helpful for you guys to stay connected in that year? Well, I think we were connected in a new way having like with me having just stepped out, I was now on a different level with Joanna and sympathizing more with her and what she's been through. Because if one of you is like, there's nothing wrong with this act it can be a really good thing. But if someone's this consistent salary job and the other person's entrepreneurial, there's a bit of a disconnect there. And it's not because you don't love each other and you're not trying to understand each other. You try your very best. But like, if you haven't been there, it's hard to, to really get it, right? Like if you've never been snow skiing, someone can tell you all day long, here's what it's like. You go down the hill and you really don't get it as much as you try. So that, that was kind of like a baked in way to be connected super practically we had saved some money like that was really like important for us like i'm of the opinion if you don't have it all depends on the household but like man if you're going to start something have money like in the bank and that can be like your proving ground if you really want this to happen let's say you want to go and do this business well if you really want it are you willing to save for it right like that's the practical side instead of just I mean, I get that there's this idea like, hey, I'm just going to take a leap of faith and that can work and it has worked for people. But for a lot of people, it doesn't work, even really talented people who are underfunded. So we had saved and we drew down that savings more than we thought we would. And we're also like living yeah. with my parents at the time. Like we had kind of planned yeah. it out. We, we went on this, house. Yeah, we went on this trip to Vietnam, like right before he started his business. So it was like right after he quit his salary job and then right before he started. So we kind of had, we took like three and a half weeks and went to Vietnam, um, which was really good. I think for us to connect in that mm -hmm. way, like before we kind of dove in and then we took two months where we sublet our place. Like Nolan said, we rented it out and we lived with my parents for two months. And that was kind of like our way of being like, okay, we're losing his income. Like this is a way that we can kind of supplement for a little bit, but we only had subletted it for two months. So mm -hmm. also I think like when we were living with my parents at that time, we weren't, we didn't, they live about an hour and a half away from where we live. So we were away from all of our friends, all of like the things that we normally do on a regular basis. So on like a Friday night, we were like, yeah. It's just us. Like we don't have any plans because we don't know anybody here. And, and TV. yeah. And my parents were gone for a month doing their own thing. They were in Europe. And so we had like this whole place to ourselves and we didn't know anybody. And so it was kind of this cool time where he was just starting out, like doing all these cold calls, like in the dining room. And it was just us mm -hmm. and the dog that we were taking care of mm -hmm. um, in this house. So that was pretty cool too. Yeah, we didn't necessarily plan like this is going to be how we connect, but it it like worked out. Yeah, Definitely. we have a lot of time like just talking about life. I mean, just kind of like how's it going? How are you doing? Trying to be intentional. It's like 
I was talking with a friend the other day and he was talking about, he happens to live close to his brother and they see each other a lot. And so consequently he feels like it can be difficult to go deep and like have a really rich conversation with his brother because mm-hmm. each other all the time, as opposed to you see that friend that you haven't seen for a month or two. And then you just, you're like, okay, we got to catch up. Let's go. We're going to go there. And I feel like that's something that, you know, we've almost been married seven years and you have to be intentional about that because otherwise it just gets, you know, familiarity breeds contempt. They say that doesn't really apply, but familiarity just kind of, that's just, just another day and here we go. But I will say both doing the entrepreneur thing, you're getting taken out of that consistent rhythm, which almost helps, I think. I think it can go both ways, but I think it helps connect you more because you kind of have to. You're like, hey, we don't have much money. Let's have a serious conversation here. Like, It's not just like things keep gliding along and no one thinks about much. You have to. It forces you together in a way. It could drive you apart too, but it's just like everything's intensified. And that's why that season where I was making the least amount of money I have since we were married, we were transient pretty much living with your parents. It was like it had some of the most intense moments and like kind of dark moments where you're just like, what am I doing? And it had the best moments. And ultimately the net effect, it's like a net huge positive. When you look back, you're like, that was great. It was intense. It was a building season. It was, it was cool. I remember landing in China on our way to Vietnam. Like I don't have panic attacks, but if I did, I probably would have had one at that moment. I'm like, what? are we doing? I don't have a job. I'm in China. I don't know what's happening here. And what is life? Like, this makes no sense to me. But it was the best. (laughs) Okay, y'all. I have something super exciting to share with you. How many of you guys enjoy a glass of wine or two during date night or girls night? Well, let me introduce to you Wink, who makes it super easy to discover great wine from the comfort of your home, and that's W-I-N-C. Wink's wine expert selects wines matched to your taste, personalized for you, and ships it straight to your door, and it just starts at $13 a bottle. Did I mention there's no shipping cost? If you don't like a bottle they send you, they will replace the bottle with something that you love, no questions asked. And there's nothing quite like coming home to a bottle of wine that's selected just for you. All you have to do is fill out Wink's palette profile quiz, answer some simple questions that your average store clerk wouldn't ask or even translate into a recommendation. These questions include things like, how do you like coffee? Or how do you feel about blueberries? Then Wink sends wines curated to your taste. And the more wines that you rate, the more personalized your monthly selections become. Each month, there are new wines, like their insanely popular Summer Water Rosé. There's no membership fees. You can skip any month, cancel any time. Shipping is covered, and you can discover great wine today. All you have to do is go to wink.com, which is W-I-N-C.com, and we're giving you $22 off of your first shipment using a code LOVEINTENTLY, one word. And that's L-O-V-E-I-N-T-E-N-T-L-Y. Again, that's wink.com with a promo code of love intently for $22 off. And did I mention that's almost two bottles on the house? 
So really, you got nothing to lose. Try out some great wine. Tell us how it is. This interview is particularly special for me because early on when I was discovering Love Intently and deciding if I wanted to be an entrepreneur and starting my freelance side of my business as well. Yellow played such a big role in me meeting my tribe and meeting some of my closest friends even today. And so thank you to both of you guys for sacrificing all the blood, sweat, and tears that you have to bring Yellow to life. Um, And so going on that, Joanna, I kind of want to touch base on your founding story of how you got the idea and the moment that you finally told Nolan about it and how that kind of unfolded. Yeah. Oh, that's so funny. So yellow was literally an idea that came to me in the shower one day because I was doing my graphic design business. I had built it up to a place where I was making decent money and it was pretty steady. I was booked out for clients for a good chunk of time. And I was kind of like, okay, what's, what's the next step for me? Like, what am I, I built it up to a place where my, my dream job was always to be a freelance graphic designer. Like I was like, man, if I could just be freelance, that would be like the dream. And then I got there a lot faster than I thought I would. And then I looked around and I was like, okay, now what am I bringing? Do I have purpose in my work? Am I surrounding myself with other women who I can look to as role models? And so I kind of went on this search and was looking how to, how to incorporate more, purpose and impact into the work that I was doing and also looking for a community of women who I could look up to and could serve as role models for me because I was really just looking for that and specifically for people who I respected and were making an impact and kind of stumbled upon the world of social entrepreneurship and this was 2013 and I had never heard of that. I didn't really know what that was. Even as yellow was the first year was going, I remember talking to a speaker on the phone and she was like, so you're gathering together like social entrepreneurs. And I remember being like, oh, is that what they're called? Yeah. Yes. The, the, those things. So yeah, I had stumbled upon this world of women specifically who are in that space. And I thought, man, how cool is it that these women can go to work every day and know that they're making an impact for good because their business is designed around that. That was just so inspiring to me. And so later, a few weeks later, I had this idea in the shower where I was like, I should create a conference where those are the kind of women who are speaking. Um, Because I had been to a lot of women in business type events. And for me, coming from a creative background, I didn't feel like I related to a lot of the women in business world just because it seemed very corporate. And, you know, now there's many more communities that are more creative and business oriented for women. But then I I didn't have, I didn't feel like there was a lot. So it kind of merged these three things that I loved, which was creativity and purpose and impact as well as entrepreneurship. It was kind of like these things that I, just a place that I wanted for myself. I wanted to sit in the audience and hear from women like that. So decided to create it. And I remember saying, I'm not going to tell anybody about this because I really want to just 
show them and like make it happen. So I think it was maybe a day or two later where I was like moving forward and I had emailed a friend of mine who runs a conference and we had already talked on the phone about how to do a conference and he had told me a bunch of stuff. And then I can't remember quite exactly when, but I feel like it was after I talked to him that I told you and I I was just like, I think I'm going to make a conference. And I remember Nolan was like, well, how much does that cost? Like what? And I was like, well, look, like if each ticket is this much and you sell a hundred, like that's this much money. And he was like, wow, that's pretty good. And I was like, yeah. Little did I know that the expenses were also about that high, but you know, and my thing was, I wanted, I wanted to show Nolan that this like could be a thing and could make money and wasn't going to like drain our bank account or anything. So I remember like showing you some numbers that I had crunched and then you were, you were like, okay, cool. And then I remember telling him the name that I wanted it to be. And do you remember? I was like, yeah, that's not a good name. (laughs) I'm going to call it yellow. And he was like, no, no, you don't want to call that's that. not good. <laughs> okay. So Nolan, tell me what you were thinking when she first came to you with the numbers and even the name, like, were you like, oh, this is a good idea or I'm not quite sure what was running through your head. Well, I thought it was a good idea. And I thought, well, what's the worst case scenario? You know, you come out a little behind. That's kind of the worst case scenario. So it seems like a good thing to do. And the, I, it was just the name. I'm like, yellow. Whoa. <laughs> Can you pick a different color than that? But the story behind it was really what sells it. I mean, it really makes a lot of sense. It's like incredible, really, with the idea of bees doing what they're naturally just, they just do what they're created to do. No one has to tell them. Be, you know, yellow. It makes sense. So it's, but that's how it looks like it hasn't is. held them back much. So, like, he's so, like, I'm like, yeah, I'm going to do this thing. And he's like, okay, cool. Like, he just, it's not even like, I just feel like that's been such a common theme in our relationship is like his support for me is just like he expects that I'm able to do it instead of like expecting that I'm not able to do it. And I think that like his trust even in me in that way, like helps my confidence and helps me actually be able to make these things happen. Cause when he's like, okay, cool. Like looks good. Then I'm like, all right. I'm going to do this then, you know? Yeah, I think that's something that's been insanely beautiful to observe too. Even I've helped volunteer one year and I've gone to Yellow a few years in a row. And I remember stepping back and somebody said, I think to you, Joanna, was like, the way that Nolan looks at you is just beautiful. Like the way that you guys interact and Nolan is there like all day, every day, helping support you in that. And I think it it was kind of one of the first times when I saw that unfold because I had also previously had so many conversations, kind of heartbreaking conversations with people that thought that they had to choose either pursuing the thing that they felt was their dream or their calling or being in a serious relationship that like you would settle down and then that would be the end of it. But you guys are a great example of how that's so not true. Clearly, like you've pushed Nolan to do some things that he's passionate about and vice versa. So with that, I'd love to know if there's anything that you wish you knew sooner in this journey. Like if you could look back on a younger Joanna or younger Nolan, what would you have told them? I feel like for me, like you're naive when you're going into something new. And I almost think that that is a blessing because even with like diving into marriage, like you have no idea what you're getting into. 
you really don't. And I think that's okay. Like, I think that it's a risk that you take. And I remember as far as like our relationship goes, I had been in a relationship for a really long time. And so when Nolan and I first started dating, I remember being really nervous about it. And I remember thinking to myself, like, you know, yeah, like this dating thing and dating Nolan is a risk, like, cause we could break up and it could end up bad. Like, and I had just gone through a really bad breakup, but Nolan is worth that risk. And that was kind of what allowed me to like go for it then, like to, for our relationship. And I think it's the same with business and like starting your own business. It's totally a risk. And if you knew everything that could go wrong or would go wrong, I don't know if you'd go into it. At least I don't know if I would dive in because I think there's kind of this ignorance that helps you get started. So I don't know if I would necessarily tell myself to do anything different or maybe just like chill out a little bit because there are things that I look back that I remember. Even I'll look at a picture of a trip I was on and I'll just remember like, man, I remember being so stressed about work and just working during that vacation and, and whatever I was working on ended up fine. And here I am years later. And I kind of wish that I just had enjoyed that vacation a little bit more. So I think like having maybe more balance, even just mentally, because I think it's easy to remove yourself from work, but then still have your brain be there, Mm -hmm. but to just be able to focus and be present and enjoy the seasons is probably what I would tell myself. Yeah. I think for me, when I was going to get a kick, I always go back to the coaching stuff, but shout out to my coach, John Roberts at Novus Global. He's always proposing the same question to me, like, who are you committed to be? And that is so big to me because I look back, I'm always working on that, the answer to that question. And I find that when I make decisions that I look back and regret, it's usually because I get out of focus on, on the answer to that question. Who am I committed to be? And you can't be all things, all people. You can't do it all. And the clearer I am on who I am committed to be, the better the decision seemed to, to be. I always mess up, but that's where I return to. And I'm always honing that. So I'll look back on something that didn't go very well and I didn't act the way I should think I should have or wanted to. And I'll go, okay, how can I do better next time based on who I'm committed to be? How can I clarify that vision so that I, I do better next time? And I think that's particularly important with like, with life, with Joe and with yellow and so much going on because you reach those situations where you're getting pulled in a couple directions and you have to make a decision on something or else you're going to end up letting one or more people down because you said you're going to do 10 things that day and you're not going to get 10 things done. So I have to go back and say, who am I committed to be? Where am I replaceable? And where am I not? And that's another thing that I think about is we have a friend, he's in ministry and he, he talks a lot about, he has kids at home, he has a job and he goes, where am I replaceable? Where where throughout my day can someone else do something as good as me or, or better? I'm not replaceable in my home. My kids only have one dad, you know? And so I try and think of that too in my clearest of minds. Where am I replaceable and where am I not? Where should I step up and just like be there for Joe and like delegate something else if I can, which 
I'm working on that too, because that's hard to delegate things. It, it can be difficult. Um, so that's the two things, like who are you committed to be and where are you irreplaceable? Where's your time investment? Mm. And the Yellow Conference has forced that upon me. I've had little crisis moments where I'm like, God, I can't take all this. And it's late at night. It's 2 a.m. And we're loading a U-Haul truck. And I'm like, what? <laughs> Am I making the right call? So, yeah, those are two, two big things. That's powerful. Are there any routines, practices, or habits that you guys have put into place? Like I know some couples do at least like a weekly date night. Are there things like that you've implemented that have been helpful for you? Yeah, we try and do a weekly date. It gets a little tricky because... You know, unless it's a morning date, like we've tried different things. Morning dates tend to be easier to do consistently, mm. but they're also kind of short typically unless you really want to push into the day or get up super early. So we've tried that. Dinner dates are, I think, better in a lot of ways, but then things happen at night. Like we've tried Fridays, but then oh, Fridays are kind of crazy. There's always something on a Friday. How about Thursday? Not that much different, you know, so we just try and... I think weekly is the goal. Um, yeah. yeah, I think, yeah, in different seasons, we've done different things, but definitely trying to hang out and spend quality time together on a weekly basis. I think we, yeah, we used to be like, okay, every Thursday night. And then I think we kind of just realized, okay, as long as we're like making it happen at least once a week, it's okay. We don't have to be so strict about like what night it is. It's about connecting, but yeah, and even like times like like yesterday, we were making dinner together and just catching up and asking how each other's days were and just having time to like talk about what's like really going on, how we're really feeling is important, whether it's when we're out to dinner or we're making dinner at home or having coffee in the morning or whatnot. Mm. Are there specific questions or check-ins that you guys try to have or touch base on every time you guys connect on a weekly basis? Not really. I feel like it always kind of starts with how was your day mm. and it kind of goes from there. Like so much of our relationship when we were dating was actually long distance. And so I think one thing that helped us learn how to do was communicate verbally to each other, like, and have good conversations. Cause so much of our relationship was over the phone. Even when we first started dating, I studied abroad and he was in slow. So we had actually emailed back and forth like a ton. So a lot of where the foundation of our relationship started was through communication. And so I feel like we don't really have a hard time talking to each other, especially because it's like both now, I think it's kind of a fun new dimension to our conversations now that he's running his own business because it's like, Oh, what's going on? Like, you know, what, what happened with this thing or what happened with that client and like vice versa. And we can ask each other advice. And I really respect Nolan's opinion. And I know I feel you respect mine as well. And so we'll be like, Oh, like, have you tried this? So yeah, I kind of just, as long as we're like, okay, like we're going to mentally cue in here. Like we don't have a hard time. I feel like having conversations with you. Agree. Yeah. Like, yeah. How has being married helped in running your own businesses? Um, support, stability. It's crazy. Like, even if one of you is only making a thousand a month, you know what I mean? That's huge stability. And so as we've kind of both gone back and forth in terms of income, 
I'm like going to the super practical, but that does help. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's a big deal. Yeah. And then support, like moral support is huge. Like we can tell each other, look, I know you feel really horrible today, but look, here's what I see in you. Mm-hmm. Don't forget like this too shall pass. It's not going to go forever. And it's weird. It, it feels like a lot of times we're kind of going like this. One of us is on a high a bit, one of us a little bit lower and we, we do counterbalance each other. I mm-hmm. think. Yeah. And I feel like, I mean, for me, I don't know if I ever would have been able to start yellow or even dive into my freelance graphic design without Nolan, like one for his support and encouragement of me. But like he said too, financially, like it really does help because you have each other to help each other and it leaves room for taking more risks. Cause you, like he said, we've kind of throughout our marriage, we've had to rely on each other's incomes or here or there. And we've kind of gone like this a little bit, but it allows us both to be able to take those risks. And I think we both understand that like, okay, you know, Nolan can go out and do his thing. And since we're both running businesses, we kind of understand that cash flow ebbs and flows and it's not easy, but I feel like we both have understanding of that. And even just like Nolan's confidence in me, he has been able to show me like more about who I am and what my strengths are and how I'm so capable of things like much more than I've been able to do for myself. So I truly don't think yellow would exist without Nolan and even just his support. Like you said, he is like hands on supporting during the conference and I would not be able to, to do it without him. Like every year, even just like literally physically, like he is the one he's loading up the truck. He's building installations. He's building walls, like all sorts of things and is so involved. And I think even last year you were on our team meetings for, like a few of those times, Mm -hmm. which was fun. Mm -hmm. Uh, So yeah, just the extra support is, is awesome. And we just, we really do help each other. Like I help Nolan with like graphic design stuff and website stuff. And he helps me with his strengths. And I feel like we both just are able to offer that extra support that feels like we're not in it alone, that we have someone rooting for us and can encourage us and, yeah, just when we're down that we have someone to kind of be like, hey, it's not the end of the tunnel. Like there's a light at the end of the tunnel. Keep going. You you got this, which yeah. is cool. We're also really fortunate that we both can do what we're doing. Yeah. Because it does let us be a little more creative in how we use our time. I mean, there's nothing really stopping us on many days. We can grab lunch. We can see each other. We can wrap up the day early or start late because – on us to get that day's stuff done and or I can come like today I was like working from his office like because his office is right down the street from our house and our wi-fi wasn't working and we were doing this later today anyway so I was like I'm just gonna come work go work there just how do you guys go about navigating the financial conversations because I think that's a really big sticking point for a lot of couples and I've also sent out some surveys and they ask about that they want to know how other couples manage that because it is such a it can be such a hard conversation how have you guys gone about it and what's helped yeah it's like one of the top like stress points for couples, Mm -hmm. which I can totally see why it's very, very stressful. Yeah. Well, I mean, Nolan 
was a finance major in college. So I am blessed by his skill set and knowledge that he has because I'm definitely I'm trying to not use these things as excuses. But numbers are not my first strength. I've worked a lot on it, but it's not definitely not my top strength. I am more of a creative. And so I think for us, saving has been really huge. So we have like more opportunity to take risks. But as far as like, I don't know, like with each other and how we've navigated it. I mean, Nolan's been really understanding of me because there were, there was a good chunk of time where I wasn't getting paid at all and, you know, not making any money and fully relying on Nolan. And that was hard. Like, I think that was hard for me because I felt like I was like pulling our ship down and not contributing. Like I felt was my place to contribute. And I think it was hard on you too, because it like all the weight felt like it was on you. And I think that for me, acknowledging that, like that Nolan has been so supportive and that you, you have like through this whole time, like you've been so understanding of like me and where I'm at. And I don't, I don't know though how like, answer like how we've navigated it I mean there's definitely Mm -hmm. been really stressful times especially when we start talking about the future and buying a house and we live in LA and it's Mm -hmm. insane expensive I think that's also where we get stressed out it's like the future yeah I mean I think we like the big broad context of our finance like mindset or at least the way I look at it is it's cost benefit it's an opportunity cost like I think Joe and I could both be making better money working for someone else. I know that's true. So you just know that in the back of your head and you make a choice. And I think the most dangerous place to get, and I've been there, is thinking, why aren't we doing that? Why aren't we making more money? Like, we can. Why, why aren't we? We're failing. But then there, there's a lot of lies like, that's okay, right? That's a decision. You can go and work for someone and make the most money you can make. That's totally fine. We're not doing that. We're proactively choosing not to do that. We're not sliding into some subpar decision over here. Poor us. We're not making as much money as we could. That's like key for me because you can't live in not reality. You have to live in reality and you have to really believe in what you do. It's like Steve Jobs says, I'm going to screw up the quote, but he's like, if you don't really believe in what you do, you're toast. Like someone else out there does and numerous people do, and they're going to stomp you. And I believe in yellow. Joanna believes in yellow. So yellow is worth it. Having said that you have to pay your bills. And so like we do have conversations about what both of us are doing because we've both been in a position individually and together where we're in the black month after month. So I don't know. We just, we kind of go with it, right? Like you can get by on less than you think you can. We've done things like we've had a month. I think we've done this twice now. We'll do a no spend month. You can get by on a lot less than you think if you just cut everything that you don't need and you just buy groceries and you pay your bills and you move to the next month. And so it's like, are we willing to do what it takes to keep our lifestyle going, doing these entrepreneurial pursuits? And another thing that's been really helpful for me is keeping the worst case scenario in my mind, which is, I wish I remembered her name, but I was listening to a podcast and it was this female entrepreneur. She's awesome. And she's like, look, worst case scenario in our head 
is zero. It's like you're destitute on the side of the road, you know, nothing. You're in the gutter. But I have to say, the amount of privilege that I have saying this is real. I have a support system. So does Joanna. We have families who have our back. We are very, very fortunate. However, most people listening to this podcast, your worst case scenario is probably going and getting a job that you really don't like that much, making less than you wish you were making. Especially, again, fortunate. We're super blessed. We're a couple. We could both go and get minimum wage jobs and pay our bills because we don't have much overhead. So that's worst case scenario in my mind. So that like resetting that bar has helped me too. going, look, we're not gambling that much. We could declare bankruptcy. The world still spins like we are not going to die, you know, and that's kind of like our barometer. Having said all that, I think we do set goals, savings goals. We automate our savings. We keep our vision for where do we want to be in three to five years? Like, are there any major purchases we should save? So we save for health-related expenses. We have an emergency fund. We have for a future home purchase. Like we do have these different accounts going, and that's the other side of it. Because if you're an entrepreneur and you don't have the 401k going at your employer potentially, you don't have these other tax advantage savings, you know, vehicles that have been kind of served up on a platter to you. You have to go and do that. In addition to the fact that you're already working harder than a normal 40-hour-a-week job. So it's just more. It's just more to manage. We've been in, you know, different amounts of debt at different times. We paid it back down. It's just, it's just like constantly reevaluating and trying to be proactive. Mm. That's really what we do. And we we talk almost every month about finances. Where are we going for this month? What's happening? Is there any big expenses coming? Do we have any in savings for that? And just keep resetting that bar. So. Do you guys schedule meetings on that or how do you, when do you decide when to talk about it? Yeah, we, yeah, we have meetings. to. <laughs> I usually send, I'm like, Hey, and then I send her a calendar invite and it's, it's gotta like, be on the calendar or else it's out of my brain. <laughs> <laughs> and you can't let that make you, it, that's not, you know, there's this kind of weird thing. Like why is my freaking husband or wife sending me a calendar invite? That's so sterile, but no, it's not no. sterile. Calendar just like, the best. let's make this happen, right? Because yeah. that elevates it to the level of all your other obligations. A hundred percent. No, I'm the same way. I get my friends to send me calendar invites for yeah. wine nights and all the things. Do you guys bring wine to your conversations or ice cream? I was going to say, yeah, like for me, I have to be like, okay, I'm going to make this fun. So I'm going to, yeah, have a glass of wine while we're talking about this, or I'm going to have some ice cream while we're talking about this. I don't think it's as like hard for Nolan. Like <laughs> for like, me, I'm like, fun with a bunch of spreadsheets, multiple tabs, and I'm going to yeah, do all the stuff. Yeah. And I'm like, <laughs> okay, like I have to stay concentrated for an hour while we talk about this or whatever. Um, but for me, I'll have to like tell myself, okay, what can I do to make myself excited for this? Mm-hmm. Which usually is just like a glass of rosé, you know, or something. Some chocolate. <laughs> Love it. Are there any quotes that the both of you guys live by? It's better to have loved than loved. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, one thing that I is kind of a defining quote for my mindset, which I try to constantly have is don't let your failures go to your heart or your successes go to your head. And yeah, that kind of just helps me to remember that my identity is not found in my successes or my failures, that I'm a human being first and foremost, and my worth is not based on my output 
and my worth is not based on what I do. So I kind of, I like that quote. No quotes are coming to my mind, but one thing, and this one goes out to all the guys out there, love to talk. We love to tell people all the big, important things we're going to do. And recently I've really been trying to hold things in and just take the action and then share what I did instead of what I'm going to do. Because I recently, I was reading this book and it talks about the psychology of when you express what you're going to do and you go into detail about it and you get all excited, your, your brain actually tricks itself into thinking you actually did that and it feels really good. So it feels great to talk about what you're going to do, which can be just dangerous because then you just don't end up doing it. So whether that's business or in your relationship, you know, that's something I'm trying to keep kind of at the top of my mind. Awesome. Uh, Where can our audience find you and how can we support you? What else do you guys have coming in the near future? Well, we have an app coming. (laughs) Yeah, you can find me, um, my personal uh, Instagram at Joanna Waterfall. And yellow is at yellowco.co, both the website and the Instagram. And yeah, we have some fun things planned for 2019. We have retreats that we're going to be doing um, that will be themed based on different subjects. We'll have one for solopreneurs, one for social entrepreneurs, and one for writers, which will be pretty fun. And then we're also doing a New York conference for the first time in May. Uh, so those are all things that are happening that are fun. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And with the branding for my agency kind of in flux at Mellon Waterfall on Instagram, as far as things that are new and exciting, I've been reaching out to co-working spaces to talk about personal finance actually for entrepreneurs. So that's an open invitation. If anyone's listening here, you, you work out of a co-working space and you want a little bit of like a sounding board or someone to give you some basics on how all this stuff works. That's something that I'm doing and offering. So awesome. Yeah. Or get me on LinkedIn. I'm a LinkedIn nerd. <laughs> no one Wonderful. We'll add all that to our show notes. Awesome. Okay. I have a lot, three last questions for you guys. Before I go into it, I want to just take a minute to acknowledge both of you and thank you for the blood, sweat and tears you have put into both yellow and your insurance company. You guys are both just the epitome of what social entrepreneurship is. And like you've mentioned, there are hundreds of other jobs you could be at to make more money, but yet you know that this is worth it and you have a calling on your life and you guys have just taken the leap of faith to go before and be an example of what it looks like to just pursue the things that you're passionate and called to. Because I know it's inspired me and probably thousands of others. So thank you. Thanks thank for you. saying that. Appreciate yeah. it. Yeah. So if you could go on any adventure in the next year, what would it be? I want to go back to Vietnam. I hate to even say that on your podcast because I don't want other people to like know the secret. It's so (laughs) awesome. The time difference kicks your butt coming back. But we went there once and I want to like go back now that we're in a different season with a little more like stability because I kind of felt like I was jumping off the Grand Canyon and trying to land and didn't know where I was going to land. And so I just want to go back to Vietnam. How about you? Yeah, I feel like Bali or Vietnam are two places on my list right now. I mean, we yeah, we went to Vietnam, but to go back again, I think would be really cool after we've kind of experienced it and to kind of take a deeper dive into the culture there. Um, and I, I've been crushing hard on Bali for a while, so I'd love to go to Bali. What too. do you want to do next in Vietnam this time around? Or are there specific things that you wish you had done the first time? 
I think like, I mean, street food comes to my mind first. We kind of, of, when we first went there, we kind of discovered how much better the street food is after pretty close to when we were getting ready to leave. So we were like, man, like, why haven't we been doing this the whole time? This food is like so good. Mm -hmm. Um, We also like met people there that were doing their own motorcycle tours. So they're like, go to Northern Vietnam, buy a motorcycle and then ride it south and then sell it and just go off the beaten path. And you hear some crazy stories. Like it's totally the unexpected story. That's the best. It's the off the beaten path and you don't know what's going to happen next. That was really, I feel like as Westerners, we're like, hold on. Okay. Let's schedule the tour with the company that looks really clean and everything's good to go. And then you get there and you're like, no, like the fun stuff is like, when stuff goes wrong or you're just in some weird area, no one speaks English, you don't know what. And so that, and then like more rural areas, just like getting out of the cities sounds really fun. It's a big country. It's really, it's a long country. There's a lot to explore. So, Mm -hmm. What is the best relationship advice that you could ever give or have received? My dad actually gave... I don't even know if he gave it to me, but I remember hearing him say it once and it stuck with me is that you have to let the other person be themselves. And I think it's just so helpful to know that because there's such a, I think when we deal with our own insecurities, we want to control the other person and make them fit into what we think they should be and, or what works for me, or it's just like, I feel like in myself, when I'm feeling insecure about myself, then I start to feel insecure about my partner. And then I try to control and that never ends up good. Um, so you have to, you have to let the other person be themselves, even if they're making mistakes or doing things the way that you don't think you would, you would do. Like there's this saying that my dad always says is like, that's not how I would do it. And we say that all the time. It's like, well, that's not how I would do it, but you know, go ahead. Do it. That's how you would do it. And that's okay. We don't have to be on the same page all the time. I think couples often feel pressure. Like we have to always be in agreement or be on the same page or be, you know, in the same season, but you know, you have to let each other be who the other person is fully. And I think that that allows for a stronger relationship because you're being your true self. And I think that both Nolan and I are, we're very independent people. So we're, we're very different. We have different interests. We interact with the world differently, but we are doing life together. And I think we're able to see our, our differences as strengths, but also know that like, we're not always going to be on the same page about stuff and we're going to do things differently and that's okay. Mm. Yeah, for me, I think just doing life together sounds too simple or cliche, but like spending good time together. This goes back to kind of like my upbringing. My parents both had their corporate jobs and their agendas were very separate. And I saw, you know, how that worked long in the long run and didn't work very well. And I've kind of always had this fear of living a separate life, not spending a lot of time together. That's a fear. Like, not having quality time together. And another fear is being one person in business, one person at the home. That's also from my upbringing. And I just wanted to avoid that. So like 
inviting each other into what we do in our businesses. Like it's really important for me that Joanna meets everybody that I'm doing business with, if I can, um, mm-hmm. that I meet the people that she's doing business with. I don't want to just be a name and I don't want her to just be a name. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a lie that like you can't do that. People won't respect you or there has to be. It's like there's a Seinfeld episode, separation of worlds. Keep the world separate. That's so stupid. You, how do you not feel like two different people? You're not made to be more than one person. Mm-hmm. can't be your best work person without being your other person there too and vice versa you can't be your best person at home if you're being some other person at work all day and you're trying to flip the switch and at the very least that's just exhausting and I don't want to do that so for me that's been like the like a big driving force I don't really have to I don't even think I have to try very hard at that because I have such deep like desires for continuity there between our professional and personal life. And I also have the philosophy that I don't think there is a separation at the end of the day. If you're the same person working, it isn't as separate as I think the old school culture painted it to be, if that makes sense. A lot of us probably have parents who dad is a businessman. Then he comes home and he's the dad. And anyway, so I think we've been reasonably successful at that. And we also tend to weigh in on each other's like decisions a lot which helps like we don't want to be inviting people into our life business or otherwise that the other person's like bad feeling, you know, radar is going off. Like you don't want that. That's another thing. I hear a lot of men and women say this about their spouse. They're like, man, I thought so-and-so seemed totally fine. Talk to my spouse. Like they did not. And it turns out, let me tell you the rest of the story. Here's what that person turned out to be like, you know? And I think that's been, been good too. Yeah. Being involved. Yeah, that's It's important. Yeah. What does love mean to you or what does love intently mean to you? I mean, to me, love is the glue that holds the world together as cliche or cheesy as that could sound. Like it truly is. It's, it's everything. And it's like the driving force in the world and it's what bonds people. It's what connects us. If, I think that if you've, been able to love in your life and you're embodied by love and you can show love to others and love yourself. And it's, it, it's everything. I, I don't know. It's yeah, it really truly is like, I feel like the glue that keeps the world spinning. I don't think I can do better than the glue that keeps the world spinning. <laughs> but What is it to you? To love intently. I don't know. I just think of like an unwavering, like I'm there for you, full stop. You know, there's some parts of it that are hard to really like express. Like when you look at someone and you're just like, I just really, really love the way you are. You know, I don't know how else to say that, but that's a feeling. But then again, like we're relatively new, seven years of marriage going on. But um, just like that decision, like I'm not going to let you go. I'm always there for you no matter what happens, no matter how much I feel like I, you know, hate you at times and you're just on my nerves. I, I love you more than anything. And that's, that's, that's what matters. Just like ultimate support, ultimate, like being there for each other, like advocating, wanting the very best for each other. I think that's it. Like I want the very best for Joanna. Like no matter what happens, that's the ultimate goal. That's beautiful. Thank you guys. Thank you. 
Thanks for listening. If you liked what you heard, be sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and leave a review so that others can join the conversation as well. On our next episode, we have Dr. Lisa Neff, who's an associate professor at UT Austin. She's also co-authored The Science of Relationships and has been studying couples for nearly the last decade. She's also one of our cherished advisors at Love Intently, and her research is where we gleaned much of our inspiration behind our love tips, which if you haven't signed up for beta, you should at loveintently.com backslash beta. Join our incredible community of 44,000 others on Instagram and let us know what you think at love.intently. Lastly, if you want to support what we're doing and to be a part of building a world that loves intently, you can do so with any dollar amount at our Patreon page at patreon.com backslash loveintently. Yes, even as little as $2 a month would be so helpful. Until next time, with love and intention.